1: Hey, it's Dan, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition, and we've got a bunch of questions submitted by our Football Insider subscribers to get to. And yes, there were questions about Aaron Rodgers and why people are talking about trading for Aaron Rodgers all of that stuff so we do kind of dip our toe into the Aaron Rodgers waters here right off the top then we get into the schedule and some other camp questions now if you want to get involved in football insider you go to cleveland.com slash browns it's the blue banner at the top of the page you get an exclusive newsletter written every day by a member of our Browns reporting team you also get access to our texting service, which is where we get these Hey Mary Kay questions, and you get access to those exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns, including that schedule prediction story that I put up on Monday. Alright, here we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. And here we go on our Hey, Mary Kay edition of the Orange to Brown Talk podcast. And we are going to get right into it with what else? Some Baker Mayfield, Aaron Rodgers talk. Why not, Mary Kay? This one comes from Chris in Fresno, Ohio. I didn't actually know there was a Fresno, Ohio. So we learn new, <laughs> new things all the time on this podcast. Hey, Mary Kay, the suggestion that the Browns would be willing to trade Baker Mayfield for Aaron Rodgers is out in the stratosphere, along with Mayfield's UFO. What a ridiculous scenario. Doesn't the national sports media know what is taking place in Cleveland with the Browns? Do some actually think Andrew Barry would be willing to blow up what it took decades to finally achieve? Basically, why is this a topic all of a sudden, Mary Kay?
0: Well, hey, he, he said it first. If Baker can see a UFO, certainly <laughs> people can discuss possibly Aaron Rodgers uh, to the Cleveland Browns. But I'll tell you, one of the things that really got it all stirred up last week was when ESPN, two big name guys from ESPN, proposed that the best landing spot for Aaron Rodgers would be the Cleveland Browns because of everything that they go have going on here on offense. Bill Barnwell of ESPN, uh, he he said basically that makes the Browns an instant Super Bowl contender that they could go out and win it if they had Aaron Rodgers. So he thought it would be a good idea from that standpoint. Max Kellerman from ESPN thought it would be good for Aaron Rodgers to land here because of that amazing supporting cast. So I think that just kind of got the wheels in motion. And we talked about this last week. We here on the Orange and Brown Talk pod, we kind of try to avoid the topic because we know basically that the Browns are not going to trade for Aaron Rodgers. But It's a topic, you know, I jumped in, I jumped in on it over the weekend and I wrote that the Browns will not trade for Aaron Rodgers. Sometimes you just kind of have to put things in perspective and uh, maybe lay things to rest a little bit. So I reported that as a report, not just as an opinion, uh, that that's not going to be happening. But the reason why people do kick it around is because of some of the reasons we have just mentioned, because Aaron Rodgers is obviously an elite established quarterback. He is the reigning NFL MVP. He's won the award three times. He's a Super Bowl MVP, and he is one of the best, you know, top three quarterbacks in the NFL. That's, of course, why the topic comes up. The Browns, on the other hand, are hoping that Baker can get up into that stratosphere. That's what this is all about. That's why they brought in a a coach like Kevin Stefanski. That's why they have Alex Van Pelt. That's why they're bolstering their defense now and that they put this offensive line in front of him, and they've got Odell and Jarvis and two great running backs. They have surrounded him with so much talent to try to bring out the best in him so that he can operate the way the best quarterbacks, the elite quarterbacks in the NFL do, and that he can win Super Bowls. And I I think they, they have to believe at this point that he can win Super Bowls for them, or else they would be going... Down a different road. I mean, they would be starting to think about something else. But he showed them in the final twelve games of last season, when he threw twenty touchdown passes against only three interceptions, in only his first year in Kevin Stefanski's offense, that that he's capable, that he's capable of winning a Super Bowl or multiple Super Bowls for this football team, and that is their plan.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's just a few things at work here. You know, so like you referenced the Bill Barnwell thing, you know, I mean, he does stuff like that all the time. He did the first, he does the first round mock every year of all trades where every single team in the first round makes a trade. I mean, he throws out hypotheticals like that all the time. It's just more of a, an exercise th- than anything. And if we're being honest, there's probably only like two, three teams maybe that shouldn't answer the phone. If green Bay were calling to right. talk about Aaron Rodgers and, yep. You know, you're talking about Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we don't have to go. It's not a long list. Let's put it that way. So, you know, there's that. And then the other thing, Browns fans, I feel like Browns fans should be used to this by now. If you put Cleveland Browns in a headline and if you put Baker Mayfield in a headline on a national level, people are going to pay attention. It, it just is what it is. And at some point, and we're going to get to this question here shortly, at some point, Baker's going to have a chance to put all of that to rest. But it, it's just sort of a combination of all of those things, really.
0: It really is. And, and think about this, Dan, and, and you even just mentioned it. How often do you have an opportunity to get your hands on one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL? I mean, how often does right. that happen? It, that, that doesn't usually happen. This is not a common occurrence. The Patrick Mahomes and the Tom Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers and the Deshaun Watsons to a certain extent usually just don't end up out there available for the taking. And when they do, a team that really, truly wants to get to the Super Bowl and win it multiple times, of course, the thought would cross people's minds. And I think people are kidding themselves if the thought didn't at least cross their mind when Aaron Rodgers became available. Hmm. Wonder if the Browns would kick the tires on that, right? Because if you're aggressively trying to win Super Bowls, why wouldn't you at least think about it? But Even though I'm sure they probably at least had to think about it, it doesn't mean that they will pick up the phone. It doesn't mean that they will pursue. It doesn't mean that they will want to have anything to do with that. They might not have even had an internal discussion about it. Maybe two people at one point said, hey, what do you think? No, not doing that. Not going to give up Baker, two first round picks, you know, one in 22, one in 23, David and Joker, whatever else it would take, not happening, but it's not outlandish, or preposterous to contemplate and think, hmm, should we give it any thought whatsoever about acquiring one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL? This is like Peyton Manning, <laughs> right? Aaron Rodgers. When you talk about the best of the best in the history of the NFL, Aaron Rodgers' name is in there. So it's not crazy to think about it but it would be crazy for the Browns right now to mortgage their future, to do that when they believe that they have the quarterback of the future right in their midst.
1: Right. And they've invested so much in him. Mm -hmm. They've they've put so much towards making him successful. And they got that taste in the second half of the season of maybe what he could be long-term. And, you know, he's 26 and Aaron Rodgers is not 26. So it does, it closes that window a little bit. if, If they believe Baker is that good, which leads us, to the next question. This comes from Sean from Indiana. Hey, Mary Kay, why are we still talking about other options at quarterback when Baker has done everything we wanted other quarterbacks to do? The question is, what does Baker have to do this season for people to expect him or to see him as the Browns franchise quarterback?
0: Well, you know, I think what he needs to do is to put together that one good full season for starters. He has not done that yet. So I think it's fair for people to wonder if he can stand the test of time and and get them over the hump to where they want to go, which is to win a Super Bowl. They were not happy last year with losing in the divisional playoffs. They want to win a Super Bowl. So that has to be where the bar is set. Can Baker win a Super Bowl? I think he can win a Super Bowl, right? I'm sure you think that, too. We've seen enough of him to know. Uh, that, that he can get that job done. This could be a very explosive offense. Now they have an explosive defense to go along with it. There should be no reason why this football team couldn't at least make a decent run for the Super Bowl now. I mean, they, they have a team that, that can hang with the best teams in the NFL and beat them on any given Sunday. So I really, truly believe that now. But I think that's one of the things. I mean, Baker needs to put together a, a full season, start to finish, We've talked about this many times before. That was not the toughest schedule in the NFL that they played last year. They played a lot of easy defenses, a lot of easy defenses, and they beat, narrowly beat teams that they, if they were were that good, they should have really clobbered, including, you know, the Jaguars and things like that, right? So, you know, these are some of the, the reasons why people are cautiously optimistic, I think, uh, but I, I do believe that he will put together that full good season next year. Odell's coming back. The defense is going to, going to make a huge difference. They're going to get way more turnovers, takeaways than they did, you know, over the course of the season than they did last year. They tapered off a little bit there. It's going to be a good defense. I can get off the field. And, and I just think that people will believe when they see it over time and when he takes them to the Super Bowl
1: you know, this is a big year for Baker because there is so much in place for him. Maybe there's been times when we've been a little overcritical of him. I, I don't know, but you know, it's sort of what you have to do a little bit too. You, you kind of look at it and try and determine what he is and go from there. But at the same time, look, he's about to be the starting quarterback for the fourth straight season. You know, he'll be the week one starter for the third straight year. That's That's pretty unprecedented in this era of Browns football. So he has certainly stabilized the position at this point, and the upside—if that upside is the second half of 2020—then guess what? That, that's when you look at it and say, "Okay, this is definitely the guy for the next 10 to 15 years." And I know a lot of fans, and, and there's other people out there that believe that already.
0: Absolutely, and and then we have seen, you know, Nick Foles win a Super Bowl, right? I mean, you, you know, you don't necessarily have to be Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl. It certainly helps if you're Tom Brady or if you're Patrick Mahomes Uh, but you don't have to be that if you have a very well-rounded team and you can be explosive on both sides of the ball and you've got an amazing supporting cast and a great running game. I do think that it's set up for them to have a chance to do that. It'll be very interesting to see if, if he can make all these people believers in him.
1: Okay. So one more Baker question, this comes from Robert in El Paso, Texas. Hey, Mary Kay, when the unfounded rumors of a Mayfield Rogers trade arose, Cleveland fans united to show their support for Mayfield, which I I agree with. There was definitely a movement on Twitter that was like, just stop. (laughs) Uh, It's been a long time since the Browns quarterback received that kind of love. Were there times during the depths of all these losing seasons and the futile quarterback searches when you thought you would never witness this phenomenon again, where Browns fans really embraced a quarterback like, like they probably haven't done since the Bernie days?
0: You know, no, I never really did. I never thought that. I never believed that there wouldn't be a time like they're having now. I just knew that they needed to get the right people in place and to draft the right quarterback. That's all it was going to take. I mean, there were times when, you know, when I thought that they would would end up with an amazing quarterback over the previous few years, even before they drafted Baker. So, no, I always thought that, that quarterback was going to come riding into Cleveland on the white horse and that people would back him up and that we would be here in the moment that we're having now, if they got it right from the front office on down and now they have.
1: Let's go back to the draft a little bit and let's talk about Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. Mm -hmm. So, Hey Mary Kay, would Owusu Koromoa have been the pick at number 26 if Greg Newsome were unavailable?
0: Uh, You know what, that's a really interesting question. And, uh, you know, I know that he was definitely under serious consideration at number 26 overall, but so were a couple of other guys. And I'm going to say, I don't think he would have been the pick at number 26. Uh, I I think there may have been one or two other guys that they had there that were still available that could have ended up being the pick at that moment. Uh, But he was right there. He was right there in the thick of it they would have been happy to walk out of the first round with him, but I don't know that he would have been next after Greg Newsom. I think there may have been one, possibly two other guys in there.
1: And maybe that would have opened the possibility for a trade down, which leads us to this question. Hey, Mary Kay, did the Browns have much trade activity at number 26?
0: You know, they had some, uh, a couple of teams tried to trade up to number 26 and they were not huge moves back. They were just a couple Moves back still in the first round, uh, but they decided not to do it because I, I believe they had some intel uh, that perhaps the um, I think it was the Saints who who were at twenty eight. Yes, the teams at twenty eight and twenty nine uh, were possible places that he could have gone, that Greg Newsom could have gone, and they did not want to give him up. Uh, they really wanted to come out if they if they were able to land him there in some of those few spots. Uh, they really wanted to take that opportunity, so they they took the calls, but in the end, opted not to do those.
1: Hey, Mary Kay, was Anthony Schwartz a reach at number ninety-one?
0: You know, it it would seem so, and I think we all agreed that that was sort of the little bit of the eyebrow raising pick where people had we hadn't heard of him that much, we hadn't thought of him that much, we hadn't really put much time and effort into an Anthony Schwartz that he was not high on everyone's list. He was probably, I think the 20 number 21 wide receiver or 26th best wide receiver by Dane Brugler on the athletic. I think it was, I think he was the 15th one chosen. So he may have been a little tiny bit overdrafted, but, uh, in talking to some teams, uh, I've been told that he probably would have gone within the next 10 picks after that. So he went 91 in the third round. The Browns didn't pick again until 110 when they selected James Hudson, the tackle out of Cincinnati. They couldn't have waited that long for Anthony Schwartz. If they wanted him, they had to get him at 91. So I have no problem with it. Once I made enough calls to figure out that he was going to go probably somewhere around 100, 101, something like that.
1: I mean, very clearly a guy that they they wanted to to bring in that world-class speed and add that to their to their offense, somebody that they really wanted there at 91. And look, it may feel like a reach in May, but if he turns into a, a real deep threat for this team and scores some touchdowns and causes problems, it's, it might not feel like a reach in October or November.
0: Absolutely not. And again, what, what they have to do with him is get him up to speed on the route running and work with his hands. But if they can do that and he can make that kind of improvement, uh, as we've mentioned before, you can't coach that kind of speed. And if you can put 4.25 in the 40 speed out on that field, gives defenses something to think about. You can take that top off the defense in a hurry They're, They just might be onto something with him there.
1: Okay. We got some schedule questions here. So let's do those before we take a break. Uh, th- this one is kind of a, I guess, a bigger picture question, but Paul from wake forest is not super bowl, super Browns. Paul says, Hey, Mary Kay. I wish folks would stop with the Super Bowl talk to get there. I think the Browns need to win the division with the best record in the conference. So where are the obstacles standing in the way? Where are the gotcha games?
0: It's a good question. They've got to
1: play, they got to play the AFC West. Let's just start there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yes. It's, it's a really, really good question. So they, they have to play the chiefs on the road. That's not going to be easy because probably this time around, Patrick Mahomes will probably play the whole game. I mean, he missed how many 22 minutes of, of that game yeah, uh, in the AFC divisional playoffs. So this game, you know, is going to be tough again. They, they bolstered their offensive line. So they're going to have, you know, they, they knew where they needed to, to get better and they did. So that's going to be a tough game. The Packers, we don't know what, what the Packers game is going to be like, because who knows where Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing in 2021, which is just mind-blowing. But, you know, that when the when the schedule first came out, not the schedule, but the, the opponents first came out, I was right. thinking, wow, those are two tough games, right? The addition of the Cardinals game, you know, I, I just think that's going to be a tough game too. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's a good team on both sides of the ball, better this year because they'll have J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones coming off injury. Uh, And they bolstered their offense. So that's going to be a tough game. They only went eight and eight last year, but I think that that's going to be a a tricky game. Of course, you have to start right in your own backyard. The Baltimore Ravens, the Browns have to prove they can beat the Ravens, right? I mean, that's your obstacle right there. And then who knows what the Steelers are going to be like. You got to have an offensive line to be able to run the ball and to be able to pass the ball if you're. Ben Roethlisberger. So I still don't think they have what they need that way. And it's just kind of weird that they're not putting more effort into that. And I know it's not easy, but you have to do it. I mean, you, it's a necessary evil. You have to have a good offensive line.
1: (laughs) You got to play in LA against the chargers. That's a really good football team and they're going to be much better coached. They might've won some more games last year with a different coach. They had some real game management issues, some real play calling issues that's a really challenging football game. Yep. What if, if Aaron Rodgers isn't in green Bay? What if he's in Denver? I know. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I think, I think Denver is a tough game regardless with, you know, they've got Teddy Bridgewater, which helps them at the quarterback position and that defense is is pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think there are some really challenging games here for the Browns this season. It is a more difficult schedule. And there's some other games that aren't going to be as difficult that, that they should right. win. They've got Detroit, Chicago, Houston, they should be able to beat those teams but right to me it's it's really looking at that that Cardinals game you mentioned Kansas City and then you got to take on the AFC West last oh and Kevin Stefanski let's go back to Minnesota as well
0: yeah and you know what at New England i mean who knows but at oh, New England be.
1: yeah i forgot about that i mean about New
0: England. You know, right i mean that's always going to going to be tough because you know you're going to have Bill Belichick scheming it up defensively on the road against Baker so you know who knows what that's going to be all about you know you have Las Vegas that, that could be a tough out you know so yeah this is this is going to be very very interesting it's a tougher schedule than than last year
1: here's another schedule question hey Mary Kay do you believe the schedule and when the Browns play a particular team matters for example would you prefer prefer to get the Bears early rather than late when Justin Fields might be better
0: Yes. Yeah. That absolutely is a factor. 100%, especially once again, if there are no in-person OTAs, it takes, it's going to take a longer time for those younger quarterbacks to get up to speed and to figure out what they're doing early on. I mean, look, even look what happened to the Browns in the early part of the season. It looked like, oh boy. Right. And then they got it together. So yes, I think there are certain teams that you would rather play early before they have their act together. And that would for sure uh, be one of them. And there, there are probably others like that on this schedule as well. Uh, Of course, depending on what happens with, with the quarterbacks. I mean, we still, we still don't know yet uh, who some of the quarterbacks are going to be for some of these teams, Cincinnati. I mean, that's a team that, you know, maybe Joe Burrow is better later in the season after he has a little bit more time, Uh, between the, uh, after the ACL surgery, maybe you want to catch them a little bit early too. I think timing matters. Definitely. I I think some of these teams will be better in the second half.
1: Yeah. And the other thing too, is, you know, the really good teams in the NFL, the Browns did it last year. The Ravens did it last year. And some of it had to do with scheduling in both cases, but the really good teams in the NFL hit their stride later in the year. Mm -hmm. So if you can get, I mean, that, that week one Baltimore game, right? That wasn't any sort of indication about the type of team the Browns were. They lost 38 to six. They looked terrible. You know, we didn't know what, what was going to happen from there. And then they end up making the playoffs and winning a playoff game. And the next time they played Baltimore, it was maybe the game of the year. Look, if you can get some of these good teams maybe before they, they really hit their stride and, and they really get some things figured out, that might be beneficial. You know, the chargers, you'd love to get the chargers early under a new coach, Mm -hmm. and a little bit of hype around Justin Herbert and all of that, maybe try and take advantage of that. I definitely think when you play a team can matter. And it's not just necessarily on the calendar, but too, like, what if a guy's hurt and you you get to play a team when a guy's out? Or, you know, what if you get to play, say, Detroit, let's say Miles Garrett misses a game and you get to play Detroit without Miles Garrett, but then you get him back for, say, Kansas city, something like that. Mm -hmm. Timing is kind of everything in the NFL.
0: It really is. And, and think about, you know, the last games that they played against uh, their AFC North foes. And just like you mentioned, that Baltimore game was unbelievable. Possibly, you know, the game of the year, except for maybe the regular season game of the year. So it'll be fascinating to me to see how they get back at it with the Ravens. And is it going to be, you know, home or away first, Uh, So I think that's, that's one to really, really watch. Can they set the tone and basically take it to the Ravens and then the Steelers? I mean, you know, the Steelers were absolutely humiliated by the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs. It's funny to even say that, but it's so true. Uh, I'll be very interested to see when that happens, when they face the Steelers again and how the Steelers respond to what happened to them in that game?
1: Yeah, and again, that there, there was the timing, right? The Steelers looked like they might go to the Super Bowl the first couple months yeah. of the season, and then they were one of the worst teams in football, really, right. over the last month and a half. So,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, a
1: lot of that, a lot of that is definitely uh, based on timing. I'll just say this: NFL, just selfishly, make that at Baltimore trip nice and early. We like the September Baltimore trips. That's, <laughs> that's what we're fans of here. In, at cleveland.com. Okay, we're going to take a break and then we'll continue with some more Hey Mary Kay questions. Back on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, let's get into some camp stuff and some NFLPA stuff. Dave Barnes from Richmond, Virginia. Hey Mary Kay, I'm curious about whether JC Tredder could be stretched too thin by being the NFLPA president. Could there be concern as to his commitment to the team and their success if his focus? Is on not participating in camps, et cetera. We probably know him better than the fans, so we would appreciate any comments. Any concern about JC getting stretched too thin, Mary Kay? He's been at this for, you know, a little, probably what, a year and a half now, close to that, maybe not quite a year and a half. And, you know, I, I personally haven't noticed anything, but any concerns from you?
0: No, I don't think so. And the reason why I say that is because he was sort of built for this. This is what he went to college for. He went to Cornell. He's brilliant. Uh, so for him, this is just using that side of his brain and using uh, his intelligence in a way that, that he's made for. He was born for this kind of thing. So I don't think so. Uh, and he's been such an iron man. I mean, think about it. He has not missed a game for the Cleveland Browns. You know, it does, you know, he's had ankle injuries and different things, and he's just out there delivering week after week. And he did the same thing last year. So I haven't noticed that at all. And I I would anticipate that you'll see another really strong season from him.
1: Okay. Tyson from Texas has an OTA question last year. He thought not being able to meet for OTAs hurt the Browns because they had a new staff and it would explain why the bye week really helped the team. So, Hey, Mary Kay, assuming the same thing happens this year, would it be an advantage because of how organized the Browns' staff and front office are?
0: This is, these guys vowed last year to do digital football better than anybody in the NFL. And I think they'll do the same thing again this year. And this year, as you mentioned, and as our uh, questioner mentioned, is that they're not starting from scratch. They know their personnel and they're not starting behind the eight ball. They know what to do with Baker Mayfield. They know that they need to roll them out and bootleg them and, you know, have them, work the keepers and those kinds of things. They know they need to give them more play action. They know what Kareem and Nick can do. Again, I've said this many times. I think I think they should play them on the field more together, and I think they will. I think they should use David Njoku a little bit more, especially in the red zone. They have to figure out how to work Odell into the, into the program now again. Uh, they got used to life after Odell. These guys are so organized, and they are going to be so ready now and they're going to add so many different things and so many different wrinkles that you will see almost a new brand of offense. I think, I think you're going to see what you think, you know, you don't know. I mean, there's, they'll still run the ball. They'll still use play action and all those things we talked about. They'll still use 12 personnel, plenty of the time Two tight end offense a lot. And, and sometimes three, but they'll mix it up more this year. They'll do all different kinds of things. So, yeah, I, I think that they will be ahead of the game. And if so much of it stays virtual, like we think it will again, uh, I, I do think that gives them an advantage.
1: Okay. Shannon from Lake Charles, Louisiana says, Hey, Mary Kay, assuming rookie camp does happen this weekend. Are there specific things that regular fans don't know that coaches look for in players at this time, even things you may get to see or hear about in media that might set some apart from others? So what are coaches looking for if the players are actually there this weekend?
0: Well, one of the first things this has been uh, just from the dawn of football is, you know, you want to see if the guy passes the eyeball test. Right. And you know (laughs) that, Dan, as well as I do. That happens for us, too. The very first time we go out and we see the rookies, you can tell if they pass the eyeball test. And that's that's even more important this year than it is in some previous years because there was, you know, there was less in person scouting. Right. I mean, a lot of it was done by zoom and some of these players didn't even play in 2020. Now, in the case of the Browns, most of them did, but you know, I think that's going to be very important to see what they look like. We're going to be seeing, we're going to be looking now. They will only be with the rookies when we see them this weekend, but, we will be seeing what do these smaller linebackers look like, right? And what do they look like when they're standing next to, you know, what does Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa look like standing next to a Grant Delpit, right? I mean, how do you differentiate between the small linebacker and the big safety? So those kinds of things are going to be very, very interesting. Uh, So that's one of the first things is how do they pass the eyeball test? And I can tell you, There have been draft picks that have shown up for rookie camp. And and we in the media will stand there watching them and we'll be like, no, (laughs) no, they're not going to make it (laughs) right. I mean, there are guys that you see, I I don't think that will happen as much with this regime, but in previous regimes, you could tell that there were guys that were, that they were not going to last. I doubt that that'll happen. I think every one of these players, these eight draft picks will make the team. Uh, And I I think that Marvin Wilson, the defensive tackle from Florida state will make the team because they had a draftable grade on him. He's making the team. So these, those nine guys at least are going to be added to the roster. So that's one thing. Do they pass the eyeball test? And the other thing is just, you know, physically, do they need to go put on some weight over the next two months? Do they need to take some weight off? Do they need to get their conditioning level up? Some guys don't necessarily show up conditioned the way they need to be. They've taken a little bit of time off. As we said, in some cases, some of the 2020 season they had off. Uh, So, so those are things that you look for. And then I think the coaches will look for how are they picking things up? You know, they throw a lot at them very quickly and then they throw them out on the grass and they like to see, you know, who assimilates the information as quickly as possible and how quickly do the lights come on those are the, some of the things the coaches look for.
1: Yeah. And I, I think the other piece of it too, is this is kind of just the start for these rookies from a, you know, they're, this is a whole program that mm-hmm. they're getting into here. They, they put them through a whole program that really runs even past the mandatory mini camp, you know, in a normal year, you know, as, as you know, it usually wraps up with that little youth camp that they run in Berea. And, and it's just this whole kind of getting these guys in and teaching them what it's like to be a professional football player. So you're picking up on the systems But then they're also putting them through, I mean, you name it. They're giving them financial training, all of that stuff. So, you know, nobody's going to get cut this weekend. And it's going to be weird because it's not going to be, normally it looks like almost a training camp roster, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's the rookie class and a bunch of tryout guys. And every now and again, a guy will flash that earns a training camp invite. And then maybe even eventually makes the team. So we're, you know, it's going to be a much smaller group this year. Yes, but yeah. that, I, I think that's the important thing to note too, is like, this is sort of your, for all these guys, this is your welcome to the NFL. You know, this is, this is professional football. You got some money now, this is your job. And we're going to get you guys ready before training camp and kind of teach you the ropes of life in the NFL.
0: Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I got an opportunity to talk to the head of House of Athlete where Jarvis is training with Anthony Schwartz. I talked to him last week. And, and I think this is invaluable. Anthony Schwartz has already spent a month with, with Jarvis Landry before the draft. Now he's spending all this other time with him now. And when you talk about getting acclimated to the NFL, getting acclimated to the schemes and the systems and learning what it takes to be a pro and how do you back off and how do you, what do you eat? And all he's getting all of that phenomenal mentoring. And any of these young guys, that can latch onto a guy like that in the offseason, especially these off seasons that are conducted virtually. If you have the luxury of doing that, do it. Because I can promise you, Anthony Schwartz is learning a ton from Jarvis Landry that will go a long way in his career. And if we see him develop quicker than anybody thought he would this year, we can trace it back to some of the time that he has spent with Jarvis Landry.
1: Okay, there we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. As usual, our Football Insider subscribers came through with great questions. If you didn't hear your question on here, uh, you know, I always send these over to Mary Kay and she'll put together a a post answering some of these questions as well. So keep your eye out for that on cleveland.com slash Browns. If you want to get involved in Football Insider, uh, there's a blue banner at cleveland.com slash Browns. You can click on that and get subscribed. And this week on the pod, we got lots of great stuff planned. Wednesday night, we're going to record a round table off the schedule release. So keep an eye out for that coming on Thursday morning. All right, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.